0: Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On this episode, we're joined by Sydney Ross. Sydney is a graduating student at North Carolina A&T, majoring in multimedia journalism. She's the managing editor of the A&T Register, the school's newspaper, and the founder of the nonprofit Change the Type. We'll let her explain what that is. She also won a prominent scholarship from the National Association of Black Journalists. Hi, Sydney, thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me today.
0: So the first question is the same first question that we ask of everybody, and that's, what's your journalism origin story?
1: I'm sure most people say I was born for journalism, but I truly believe that that's what I was put on this earth for. I remember standing up in my kindergarten class saying, I want to be a writer when I grow older, and at the time, my parents were like, yeah, she'll grow out of it, she'll grow out of it. But as time went on, they saw my passion for writing just continue to grow. And I think that's what just stuck with me. I, My godmother is a published author. Her name is Patricia Brower. And I always say she's my biggest inspiration because I would always read a lot of her books. She would always come to a lot of my um, poetry slams or like any type of award ceremony. She was always there along with my parents. So I just always... Cause count her as one of my biggest inspirations behind my journalism background.
0: And where exactly are you from?
1: I am from Raleigh, North Carolina.
0: So you're the managing editor of the a Register, and you're someone who's been with the school paper since the fall of 2020. And I greatly respect that as someone that was very into my school paper. What are some of the highlights of your experience there?
1: Honestly, I love the Register so much. I'm so appreciative for the Register because that's really how I don't wanna say it's like how I got my foot in the door, but it's really what exposed me to a real life newsroom. I think some of the highlights would have to be is just highlighting student stories. When I first started with the register, I told the managing editor then, I was like, I want to tell student stories. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, there we go to the largest HBCU in the country. I said, there's so many students here who have so many, that come from so many different backgrounds and have so many different stories. I was like, that's what I want to focus on. And so that's really all that I, I took that, that mindset and it hasn't changed. I still have that same passion of sharing our student stories.
0: And now you go then from writing to editing a section to being the managing editor, one of the people essentially in charge, running the show, setting the vision. What's that experience been like?
1: It's definitely been different. I will say this year um, as managing editor has been, it's had a lot of highs and lows, but I will say it's been the most I've learned within the newsroom as managing editor, especially this year. We This was our first year without an advisor. So we were completely 100% student run. And so that was different, not having that advisor, be, coming from like my sophomore and junior year having our advisor there to, you know, bounce ideas off of and still like lean on for support. She recently was promoted to a new position at a different institution. And so this year, like I said, just stepping into that managing editor position, for one, that's the highest leadership role that I've ever had. So just stepping into that position has definitely been a challenge, but a good challenge. So it's pushed me to step outside of my comfort zone and pushed me to really go above and beyond to achieve like not only my goals, but the goals that we have set for the paper.
0: So I know that your editor-in-chief got to go to the White House. You got the experience of covering President Biden's speech. He came to the school and spoke. Not typical for a president to come to an HBCU. This was an instance where it happened. What was the experience of that like?
1: I will say that experience was like one of a kind. It's actually, I it came up in my memories on Facebook a few days ago, and then just like reliving that moment where um, I was so excited. The day that I found out, I was actually um, off campus at a hair appointment, and my advisor at the time she called. She's like, "Hey, I want you to cover this event with Joe Biden." And I'm like, "Me? You?" Have- <laughs> and so. It was a really cool experience being able and having that one-on, not necessarily that one-on-one, but like that real life experience. Like up until that point, we cover a lot of campus news, a lot of events that's happening within the triad area. So up until that point, it was like, wow, like this is a step up to me in my opinion, like it was a step up from the content that I had been writing for the paper up until that point
0: whether it be as managing editor or as a writer, what's an example of an instance where you had to make a difficult decision about something, there was a big story, there could have been, maybe maybe it was a scandal, maybe it was something lesser than that. Just an instance where, okay, you're 18 to 21 years old, big decisions can be a big deal. What was What's an example of, of one that you had to deal with?
1: I will say recently, we have... Each spring semester, well, ANT is known for the greatest homecoming on earth, what we call Jiho, which happens every fall. But in the spring, we have kind of like a smaller version called Aggie Fest. And during that happened maybe like two weeks ago now, one of the students, she was a freshman, was fatally killed at an off-campus event. And in that moment, it was it was a very difficult situation for one, just having that. I didn't know her personally, but I knew of the student. And putting myself in that position, like that could have been easily any one of us, because it's a big time on campus. Agifest is well known throughout the AT community and throughout like the triad, like I said. And so that difficult decision was how can we cover this story and tell it to where we're sharing? the life of this young person like she like i said she was just i want to say 18 or 19 she was a freshman in her first year of school so that was a difficult story for me being that was my first time covering something of that extreme and having to really have that i want to say empathy or having that authenticity to where like you're connecting with the readers and explaining to them like what happened and the severity of gun violence in our country
0: and also telling the story of her life as opposed yes. to the way that her life ended exactly so i went and read through a few of your stories from when you did more writing earlier in your college time and i noticed a theme among them was alumni features. I'm someone that when I was in school, I loved doing the alumni features. I reached out to anybody and everybody. What was the experience of that like? And is there a highlight of that that you could point out for us?
1: Yes. So at that time, I was the culture's reporter. That I did a lot of that work. And the culture is the feature section up under the ANT register. So we do a lot of... And for me with the culture, it was my favorite section with the paper and with the publication because... It focused outside of AT. Like, yeah, we featured a lot of students and a lot of alumni, but it allowed me to go beyond A&T's campus and go out in the community. So, when with a lot of the alumni features during that time, too, it was during the pandemic, like the height of the pandemic. So, a lot of things were virtual. So, I had to get really creative on finding features and things that were happening within the community or within like the Aggie community. So that's how a lot of the alumni features started happening because there wasn't a lot going on on campus to feature quote per se. So um, yeah, I've joined a lot of Facebook groups, a lot of like Aggie alum, there's the ladies of a There's a lot of just different groups that I had joined on Facebook and like seeing how those alumni, how a laid the foundation for them to go on beyond and like start their own and how they're making such a tremendous impact in their communities beyond just a That's what one thing that really drove me to write a lot of these alumni features. And I think you said like one of my favorites would have to be the story that I wrote on an alum. Her name is Alana V. Allen. She is the owner of the nonprofit, I Am a Queen. And I, out of all of the stories that I've written, that is still one, to this day, one of my favorite stories, just because I got to connect with Alana um, very closely. We talked a lot about her journey. And she told me at the beginning of the interview, she's like, I I definitely want to do this story, but you have to tell my whole story. And up until the, I was like, "I again, this is, I'm new into the industry. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell the whole story. <laughs> but she told me, she's like, I need you to tell, like, I went through a lot, but I want you to tell how my struggles helped to bring me to where I am today. And that in that moment, we were both just like I said, like that authenticity and had that connection and how we were able to just talk and connect with each other. I think that was the highlight and like hearing her story and her journey was such an inspiration to me. And like my nonprofit, like you had mentioned earlier within my nonprofit, it was so like hearing how her start and her finish, how her passion is what drove her to start this journey. It just kind of reminded me a lot of myself and my passion to starting my nonprofit, Change the Type. So yeah, that just is a story that I feel like stuck out to me the most.
0: Get to Change the Type in a second. It's cool that that provided life lessons for you and journalism lessons for you because I imagine you learned a lot about how to interview people. How often does the the register come out?
1: So we produce content daily. So we have daily digital content, but we usually try at least two or three times a semester to have a physical print edition. I know in the fall semester, we have two that we always do. It's our Aggie 101, which always comes out in August. And it's like a freshman 101 guide on how to survive through college. And then we have our Jiho edition, which is our homecoming edition that always comes out every October during homecoming season. This upcoming year, 2023, I think homecoming is in November. So be be a little bit different this time coming out during the first week of November instead of usually like the second or the last week of October. So yeah, we typically try to print at least two to three a semester, but during the day or during the everyday week, we have content going up daily on our social platforms.
0: What's a day in the life like for a managing editor?
1: Our day in the life is pretty busy. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of being the managing editor, I also intern with the Office of Career Services at a t So I'm their social media intern. So I do a lot throughout the day within just being the managing editor. I will say like right now, we're working on our last print edition for the semester. So my day typically starts like any other. First thing I do when I wake up, I check CNN because I get the CNN alerts, like the top five headlines for the day. So I always read those for the day just to like catch up on what happened throughout the night or the day before and then I usually try to edit at least a story or two while I'm in the bed because I noticed like a lot of the times oftentimes when we wake up in the morning the first thing we do is check our social media and so during that time I realized prior to like towards the beginning of the semester, a lot of the times I would spend time on tiktok just scrolling first thing in the morning I'm like well maybe I should cut back on my tiktok time and <laughs> try to use this time to be a little bit more productive. So I'll usually like in the morning, like I said, get up, edit maybe a story first thing in the morning and then go throughout my day. I have, during the day I'll go to like classes and I typically am done between 12 and two. So around that time, I'm pretty much done with my classes for the day. And so then during that time, I'm spending time editing stories from contributors, from our staff, reporters and editors. Sometimes I'm looking over social media content because as managing editor, I also work with, closely with the social media manager and the digital media producer for the Anti Register. And we're constantly like brainstorming ideas for social media engagement, whether it be on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. Just trying to come up with ideas. And then I typically end my days working with the Office of Career Services. So I'll uh, do some social media content for them. Right now, I've been working on newsletters for the Office of Career Services. So I write monthly newsletters for them. And then like to unwind at the end of the day, because um, initially I had a hard time like shutting off the journalism, like you got to take some time for myself. So usually at the end of the day, I come back and that's when I just focus on me doing things that I like to do, whether that's watching Netflix or I really do like to cook. So like sometimes I'll come back in the evenings and depending on what time it is, I'll cook something for me and some of my closest friends. And like just how we usually unwind in the evenings. (laughs) Nice.
0: That's a good way to certainly manage your mental health. What are some of the internships that you've done to further your journalism work experience?
1: Yes. So I started my internships actually in high school. I interned with the Raleigh Television Network as a production assistant. So I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I did a lot of filming for city council meetings, town halls, things that are happening throughout the city of Raleigh. I also got to produce my own commercial. That's what they call through the Raleigh Summer Youth Employment Program, which is basically their intern program. I produced a commercial to kind of like raise awareness to the Raleigh Summer Youth Program and encourage teens throughout the city of Raleigh to apply. I also interned with WRAL, which is also a larger um, news organization back home in Raleigh. They're in Raleigh and Durham, throughout the Triangle area basically. There I also did a lot of, I participated in what they call their Explore Post-Five Program, which basically gives high school students Just a hands-on feel of what it's like in the newsroom so like i said like my passion started early Um, since being in college i'll say i interned at um outside of my work with the register i was selected last year as one of the four students they only selected four students from hbcus across the country to intern with the black news channel in tallahassee florida unfortunately BNC ceased operations around the beginning of the spring semester, so I was without a summer internship. But Roland Martin in DC, he's a big known journalist throughout the journalism community, he heard my story and offered me a full paid internship for last summer at a station in DC. So I was I'm able to intern with Roland Martin this past summer in D.C. on his network, Roland Martin Unfiltered. And currently now I'm interning, like I said earlier, with the Office of Career Services at a t as a social media intern. That's a lot. Yes, it's a lot.
0: <laughs> it's a lot, I'm sure. Plus, there's Change the Type. What's Change yes. the Type and what's its origin story?
1: Yes, so Change the Type actually started as a high school project. I attended Garner Magnet High School in Garner, North Carolina, which is a part of the International Baccalaureate Program, or the Ivy Program for short. And I went to an Ivy middle and high school. So a part of the Ivy Program at the time, because I'm sure the curriculum has changed, it changes every two years, I believe. But at that time, the Ivy, what they call the middle years program, went from sixth to 10th grade. And then... For You had students have the option to continue to the what they call the diploma program for their junior and senior year. So for my middle years project in my sophomore year of high school, they called it the personal project. And we were supposed to, the our assignment really was very simple. Choose something you're passionate about and make a project on it. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of things I'm passionate about. How am I just going to choose just one? And so at the time, I just knew that I was gonna do something with dance because I've been really passionate about theater and the arts. I was in all types of plays, all types of dance teams. So I did a lot of production. So I just knew that's what my project was gonna be about, was about dance. And so I just thought about all the possible things that I could do, but I was just stuck on this idea. Like I couldn't go anywhere further with it. And one day sitting after school with my grandparents, I had, we were watching the news and I just noticed how a lot of the times that the media portrayed people of color in such a negative way. And I remember sitting there, I was 15 at the time, just thinking, this is not who we are. Like there's more to the black and brown communities than what the media is portraying for us to be. And I knew then in that moment, that's what I wanted to do my project on. And so that night, I remember just going to work, like just doing a lot of research on the different types of stereotypes that we see a lot of the times in the media when it comes to Black and brown people and minorities as a whole. And I went back to school the next day and proposed this idea to my teacher and she said, that's what you're going to do your project on. That's what needs to happen. And since then, it's just grown. For my personal project, I got Together with a lot of my friends, a lot of family members, and filmed this PSA to basically go against the stereotypes that I had saw a lot in throughout the media. And I interviewed a lot of people, and this is really where a lot of my journalism started. I also like to put this in my journalism origin story because. In that moment, I did a lot of interviews. I did a lot of research. And this was my first time really editing a video. Because up until that point, I had never really done stuff like that before. But like I said, I did all of this. And for my personal project, I created this PSA and presented it to my class, presented it to the sophomore class at the time, and passed the project. But once the project was completed, I was like, that's it but I don't want this to just be this project is change the type is more than just this school project like this needs to continue to go on and I remember talking to my parents about it and they were behind me 100 percent supportive on this idea of continuing continuing this project and so um, my parents helped me to get the name established change the type legally established and so it's a fully licensed llc in the state of north carolina i decided to take a little bit of a break from change the type and revisited the idea during my senior year for because i did decide to go on into the diploma program within the IV program and i decided to revisit the idea of change the type to include into my senior project and At the time for that project, I decided to interview a lot of students, a lot of my classmates, because I was like, you know, I have the name, I have the face, now we need the people. And so that's what I decided to do. I decided to reach out to a lot of my classmates and a lot of peers throughout my community and spotlight them on the change the type page. So on the website, there's like spotlights, there's a spotlight section where it features the different students that I had interviewed at the time. Uh, in high school. And again, graduated from high school, decided, okay, I need to focus on transitioning to college. But then the pandemic happened. (laughs) And I'm brought back to this idea of change the type. I'm like, okay, how can I continue to make this grow? And at the time, I noticed a lot of people were getting laid off from jobs a lot of businesses were shutting down and as students were getting ready to go back to school that fall, I wanted to help the community in a way to like, you know, help them grow, you know since a lot of the things, like I said, had been shut down I didn't want school supplies to be something something as small as school supplies to be a hindrance to people. And so I decided to host the first annual change the type school supply drive and collected all types of school supplies to donate to students at, or participants at Biltmore Hills Community Center. It's a community center that I grew up um, going to for summer camp, different type of programs and recreational activities all there at this community center in Raleigh. So I partnered with them to donate some school supplies and I had so many donations from community members I ended up donating to Biltmore Hills and Sandiford Road Community Center which isn't far and also to East Garner not elementary East Garner Middle School Prince and Princess for a Day and in Hair Envy Salon they were also doing a school supply drive so just being able to have that support from my community and is really the message behind Change the Type and, yeah. you're, and you're <laughs> and still
0: sure. and you're still pursuing it Mo- moving forward it's going to continue to evolve
1: yes we are already planning the next, the third annual school supply drive. Last year, it was a little difficult since I was in DC, but I was able, with the help of like my parents and a few of my friends back home in North Carolina, while I was in DC, I was collecting school supplies there from the alumni chapters from North Carolina ATs, DC, Maryland, and Virginia alumni chapter. They were donating school supplies. My parents were collecting school supplies from donors back home in Raleigh. And some of my friends from AT were collecting school supplies in Greensboro. So we had a lot, of, lot going on, a lot of moving parts. So this year, um, like I said, we wanted to continue this project and this year I'm, I'm hoping for it to grow more. So I'm aiming to partner with multiple community centers this year because each year I've partnered with Biltmore Hills. So this year I want to partner with Biltmore Hills and a few other facilities to donate since we've had so many donations in the
0: past sounds awesome so you're graduating in may and as a young black woman with everything in front of you you see what the industry is like i'm sure you've had you've had really good experiences i'm sure you've run into some challenges as well how do you view the opportunities that are are ahead for you and what are you looking for in terms of what you want to do
1: I definitely say I'm very optimistic about the future and about what my journalism career holds. One thing, like I said earlier, when I came into the journalism industry, my biggest thing was I want to tell people stories. I want to share with the world how people are making a positive impact in the lives of others. A lot of times when I hear, when people talk about news, they think it's negative, they think, They see like all the negativity that's happening in the news, and they don't always see the positive and the good that's happening. And that's something that I want to bring. That's something that's really driving my passion behind journalism, is being able to tell the good in the world.
0: We've had Ashley Fields, who was the editor-in-chief of The Hilltop at Howard University on in the past. We had Jared Council, who is a HBCU grad on recently. He now works at Forbes. I'm curious what the HBCU experience has been like and how you view the benefits that you got from it four years after starting there.
1: I'll definitely say the HBCU experience is like none other. Um, I always say I love A&T and I'm so, so grateful that I had the opportunity to come to school here for these last four years, because I don't think that I would have gotten this opportunity anywhere else at A&T. One thing that I like about our department within the journalism program is our department chair makes sure that students understand they're not just a student. When you come into the journalism program at a t you cannot just be a student. You, there's so many different things to get involved in. As you see, I'm involved in a lot uh, with the register I'm also the president for the National Association of Black Journalists, and I'm serving as the miss for the Journalism Student Advisory Council. So there's so many things that this university has offered me, and I love the support. The professors, when my internship fell through with BNC in Florida, my advisors were on it immediately. One professor that I can always say has always been supportive of me is Mr. David Squires. He's really, he's been in the industry a lot longer than I've been alive. (laughs) And Mr. Squires has definitely been someone who has pushed me and challenged me beyond measures within this department. And I will say, I credit a lot of my success to him because he was the first one to tell me when I first started writing, the very first class we had the very first article I wrote and I submitted to him I was so excited thinking this was the best story I've ever written he told me yeah you will never get hired in anybody's newsroom writing like this and I took it to heart I was so heartbroken because I was like oh my gosh I put everything into this story but it was after he told me this he sat me. We sat down together and he's like, but this is how you improve and this is how you make it better. And I can truly say that that has been how my entire experience has been within a and not just with Mr. Squires, but several of my professors have always had that, okay, this is how we can improve. They've always been wanting us to push or, or wanting to push us to do better and be better, to be successful in this industry.
0: So what advice would you have for someone who will be just beginning college? As a journalism major in the fall, who says, I want to be able to do all the things that she got to do.
1: I definitely tell them to don't be afraid to step outside outside of their shell. When I first came to AT, I was super shy, super quiet, the type of person to sit in the back of the room and just kind of let like to listen and observe rather than to jump. But I will say, because I was often like afraid and I'll tell like if anybody, usually like when we have tours come in as the miss, I give a lot of tours for our department. That's one thing I always push the students. Do not be afraid to step out and try things that are completely outside of your comfort zone. I remember as a freshman, I was the only freshman to audition for the anchor position for Aggie News. And I did not get it, but being the only freshman there, the professor remembered my name and continue to push opportunities for me to continue to excel. And that's something that I tell a lot of people, don't be afraid, even if it's the wildest idea that you have, never be afraid to share that idea because it could be something that can grow into something greater.
0: And how has the NABJ, you mentioned that you're the student chapter president at the school, how has that been helpful
1: to you? It's definitely also been very helpful. with networking, with opportunities. You had mentioned earlier, like NABJ has, I was one of three students selected for the NABJ HBCU scholarship. Two students from a t me and another young student were A&T students and there was another student that was selected. And just that opportunity alone allowed me to not have to pay anything out of pocket my last year of school. NABJ has offered so many networking opportunities, opportunities to travel. We've gone to, last summer, we had the opportunity to travel to Las Vegas for the NABJ convention there. And there, that was so eye-opening, just being in the room with so many people that looked like me. I think that was so, what was the most inspiring part about it. Last month, we had the NABJ short course where all these professionals came in, all students from across the country all came to A&T. And for a week long, we had like master classes on how to be successful journalists. We came in 7.30 in the morning, got our story assignments, and were sent out in the field immediately. It was a real life newsroom for a week at a t So it just... NABJ has just offered so many opportunities that I can't count on my two hands. Like it's so many um, wonderful things that's come from NABJ.
0: It all sounds awesome. So we salute you for your good work and we ask that you do likewise. Is there a journalist or journalism organization that you would like to salute for their good work to close the show?
1: Definitely. I would like to highlight another student journalist actually my editor-in-chief for the AT register, I'll say his name is Melvin Harris. Melvin is someone that I can definitely say is a true dedicated journalist. He is one that's not afraid to ask the difficult questions. He's not afraid to, um, Ask those questions that need to be said or step in a room. He steps in any room with this type of confidence that's like, wow, I aspire to have that level of confidence when I step into a room. And so I always salute Melvin. I always bounce ideas off of Melvin. I always ask Melvin for his advice, his opinions, because He's just someone that's always there to support. And like I said, like he's my editor-in-chief. We always bounce ideas off each other. We're always there to support one another. So I definitely will say Melvin is someone that's truly going to be phenomenal in this industry. And I'd also like to salute Mr. Ken Lemon. He's a reporter for WSOC in Charlotte. Mr. Ken is one person that I always call one of my mentors also. I met him through his fiance, who was one of my professors, last school year. And since then, we were able to connect and reconnect last summer through NABJ at the convention. And Mr. Ken has been someone who is truly like an inspiration. Like I said, he's like someone who's always making sure to tell our stories and tell them wholeheartedly, honestly, and with his heart. We had a connect program this year with NABJ called Black Men in Media. It's a program that I had created for our students to be able to network with other Black men in the industry, just be able to connect with people that look like them. Mr. Ken was one of the first people to respond, like, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to give back to the students. And I will say that program really left me like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Mr. Ken And the other panelists at the program just helped me to realize, like, I want to leave that impact. How they have impacted me, I hope to leave that same impact on other students and other future journalists to come.
0: Sydney Ross, we think that you are as well. We're glad that we had the opportunity to speak to you. We salute you, and we thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Sydney Ross has enrolled at UNC Chapel Hill in the master's program to pursue her master's degree in media and communication, concentrating in public life reporting. She starts in June. She'll graduate next May. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at Salute at gmail.com.